this particular reading, this, this uh, uh, parable and series of teachings from Jesus uh, are some of the most delightfully confusing, all right, parables of the Lord. So I want to be able to break them down a little bit, and then I'll go into the main thrust of my homily. So what's happening here with the steward, and what is Jesus trying to get at? There's kind of about three points in this gospel, and I'll hit on two today. The first one is relatively kind of a bait and switch. What the steward of the household was, was doing is basically the master would say, okay, I want to uh, lend this guy hundred, you know, a hundred dollars, right, for him to plant his crops. And what the dishonest steward would do is he'd go to that guy and he'd say, the master says the rate is 120. So when the master is basically throwing out the steward, the steward's thinking to himself, how can I do these people, these debtors, a favor that'll make them welcome me, right? Because I can't do any other work. So what he does is he just drops the grift, basically. He just drops the price that he was stealing from them so that they think that he's doing them a favor and that they owe him, so they take him in. What Jesus is saying is, in that part of the gospel, is this. Look, at the end of the day, the most common mentality for humans is the experience of using people to get things. Using people to get things. What I'm telling you is I want you to use things to get people. He's wanting to flip this. And why does he want that? He wants us to be able to build the kingdom. He wants material life, money, security, all these things to be relativized in a new way so that people actually have the experience of encountering him. He wants his disciples to let go of all of their security and be totally free and to use those things so that they can meet Jesus. But what about the rest of this? The rest of this parable and these teachings is very interesting, but in order to understand all of this, we have to take the full context into view. What's the full context? It began two weeks ago. Remember, two weeks ago in the gospel, we had that, uh, the teaching of Jesus where he said, you, shall, you need to hate your father and mother if you want to follow me. And remember, I, I was preaching about that, and I said, what Jesus is saying is he's that you have to rely on me alone for your security. Why? Because at the end of the day, back then, there was no 401k, there was no pension plan, there's no social security. Your total sense of security would have come from your belonging to your family, being part of your family. They would have provided for you. So what he's saying is, I want you to let go of even that security and trust in me. Take a risk on me that I can give you everything. Why? Because through you, I want you to go out to the nations, and you need to rely on me, know me, experience my love and my preference for you. Last week, we had the parable of the prodigal son. And one of the most beautiful lines in that parable is this. Son, everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. Jesus is speaking about mercy, but he's also speaking about the mercy of filling you with something totally new that's maybe beyond your vision, beyond my vision. 
So what he's asking is to receive mercy. I need to be able to put myself in a place to really receive it. Instead of thinking, I know what my life consists of, Jesus is asking actually for a kind of a surrender there. Let me give you something. Let me fill you with something. Fill you with life that you may not have known yet. So let go of everything. Take a risk. Take a risk. So what is Jesus doing here this week? That's the context for this week. Jesus is actually giving us the concretes of what it looks like to take that risk. When we think about risks, we can think about large decisions. Large decisions, right? Do I take this job or not? Do I move into this house or not? Do I get married or not? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But Jesus is saying the risk does not primarily consist in those large experiences. The risk of surrender, of, of having me fill you with something new, provide for your security and love because you're on mission, consists in smaller things. So he's teaching us about those smaller things. And he's also teaching us about how we can hear him. So let me go into this. The most important line in this whole gospel is this one. I tell you, friends, make friends for yourselves with dishonest wealth, so that when it fails you, when it fails you, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. When it fails you, that one line. What Jesus is saying is, blessed are you when you are not satisfied by what you have. Jim Carrey, the comedian, had a phenomenal quote. He goes, I wish that everybody got everything they always wanted so that they can see that it's not enough. Here's an individual who has a very prosperous career. I wish everybody got everything they ever wanted so they could see that it's not enough. The most blessed experience in life, one of the most blessed experiences in life, 90% of the battle of life is recognizing that I am not satisfied. If you wake up in the morning or you're going to sleep at night, and you have that pain and that longing, and you're saying to yourself, I'm not satisfied. This isn't enough for me. That is a sign of health. That's a sign of health. Human health. Health of the heart. You are not wrong. It is good to feel that. That's what Jesus is saying. It's good to feel that. It's good to feel your hunger. You need to feel your hunger. Why? Why does Jesus want us to feel our hunger? Because he wants us to see that he corresponds with that hunger. Let me put it this way. I quote this, this theologian all the time, but there's this one beautiful phrase. There is nothing more useless than an answer to a question that was never asked. If I come up to you, I see you on the sidewalk, and I say, Tuesday. And you're like, what are you talking about? But if you were walking around and saying, man, when was I supposed to meet Father? And I see you on the sidewalk and I say, Tuesday, it corresponds, right? It corresponds to a need. In a similar way with the heart, we have to be aware of our hunger, be aware of our desire for fulfillment and for everything, 
in order for Jesus to be able to be recognized, if we don't recognize our hunger, what he's saying is we will not recognize him. If we don't recognize our hunger, we won't recognize him. Jesus is just a sticker that I put on experiences. Jesus will just become this kind of platitude. Jesus is just this passive experience. No, he's saying, I am your life. If you want happiness, joy, fulfillment, and peace, I am the one you are looking for. So what is that consistent? What's the latter? It's in these small experiences when he's saying, if you are faithful in small matters, you will be given more. You will be trusted with more. What's the small matters? The daily risks of letting go of control. The daily risks of letting go of control. And what do, how do I do that? If I'm going to bed at night and I'm a little bit angsty, longing, or if I wake up in the morning and I'm longing, instead of saying, all right, I'm going to hit happy hour a little bit earlier, or <laughs> I'm going to buy that next thing on Amazon, or I'm going to watch three hours instead of 30 minutes of Netflix, whatever it may be, Instead of doing that, Jesus is saying, give your desire to me. Recognize your need, your hunger. Recognize that itch. I gave that to you. That's a gift. You are healthy for feeling it. Give it to me. Let me take it. Let me answer you. It's in these ways that we start seeing in these very small experiences the correspondence of Jesus to our humanity. Jesus has to correspond to your felt need, your felt humanity, your longing, your longing for hope, your longing for desire, your longing to not feel numb, your longing to experience life. Jesus wants to, you to see that he corresponds to that. He loves your humanity. He made your humanity, and he builds on your humanity. So, what is the concrete question I can ask myself every day? What's the concrete question in taking this risk? How do I take the risk? How do I actually do that in that let go of control? First off, I ask myself the most dangerous question in today's society, the most dangerous one, the most dangerous one. Am I happy? Am I happy? Go on social media. Go on all the news outlets. What's one question that's never asked? Are you happy? Nobody wants you to ask that question. Nobody wants you to ask that question because that's the question to the road to freedom and love and fulfillment. Am I happy? Am I satisfied? Is this enough? And in that question, that holy question, and that's where you make the surrender if you feel the pang, the hunger. That's where you make the surrender in those little things, the very little things. Or maybe you're in the grocery store. Maybe you're at West Elm looking at couches. I don't know what that experience is like. Anyway, and that you look at that couch and you ask, is this enough for me? Is this enough for me? In a very kind way, 
not shaming yourself at all, but with the kindness, with the curiosity, is this enough for me? And then you give that to the Lord. What ends up happening, as you ask, am I happy, and then you surrender control, or is this enough for me, and you surrender control, your whole life in these little experiences becomes a whole train of experiences where you see that the Lord answers your need and your desire. And then those big experiences become clarified. They become clarified. I can let go of control in the face of a difficult experience in marriage. I can let go of control in the face of this difficult job situation. I can take a risk on the Lord's love because I have a series of experiences of trusting him, of how good he is to me, of how much he answers my human heart. It makes life exciting and beautiful. It's the foretaste of heaven now. Jesus answers me now. So simply to conclude, what is the more that he's wanting to give? He's wanting the eternal dwelling. He's wanting to give you now. But the eternal dwelling is his own heart. He wants to take you into his own heart. He wants his heart to be your home. When we receive the Eucharist, for example, we think, well, it's true, we receive him. But in a very real way, he takes us into himself. Our humanity in this experience is healed and redeemed. And then the second part, the more is this, it's raised up. It becomes godlike. You are meant to be gods. You are meant to be gods. Why? Not because you have all the answers, not because you have control, not because we can manipulate, none of those things. We're not a tyrant or a dictator here. We're not some egomaniac. No, because we have received divinity. The divine builds itself in our nature, goes into our nature, and makes us more than who we are. That's why St. Paul always says, I want you to be a new creation. A new creation means receiving divinity. And what does new divinity, or what does this new creation look like in these experiences? People look at you because, and they're attracted to you. How is it possible that he or she can live this way? How is it possible that he or she can live this way? I feel enslaved and pulled down by everything. I feel like I can't get up. I feel like I can't walk. How is it possible that they have hope? Hope is only possible if somebody has the eternal dwelling of God in them, or they are living there in Jesus' heart. That's the experience of divinity here below. It's mediated through you. It's mediated through you. That's what it means to be the church. The church is powerful. It changes people's lives. The most powerful thing in society is the grace of divinity, redeeming humanity, here below. So my friends, what I'd like you to do is simply this. When you're receiving communion today or receiving a blessing, ask the Lord a simple question in all kindness. Am I happy? Lord, what will satisfy me? Lord, give me the answer to what I'm looking for. I'll just ask yourself your, that question right when you receive communion, when you receive his body and blood. 
and maybe allow him to answer it. What comes up in your heart? Maybe I need to let go of something. Trust me. That's what he'll say to you. Trust me. I got this. I'll do the heavy lifting. Maybe I need to go to therapy. Trust me. I'll heal you. Maybe I need to go to the confessional. Trust me. You will receive mercy and affirmation and forgiveness. Maybe he just wants to affirm you when you've never been affirmed in your whole life. Trust me, let me love you. Receive my love. My friends, we come to Mass every week because we want to hear the Lord say, I correspond to who you are, and I want to show you it in this most explicit way. Let me show you that I am enough. Let me show you that everything you're looking for is right in front of you on this altar.